making this a priority in your practice and spending the time actually learning and reskilling. It's important. It's part of continuing professional development. And it's, it's certainly not something that can be avoided. You are listening to Australia's Tax News Podcast. Tax Talks, the podcast for Australian tax professionals. Welcome to episode 171 of Tax Talks. This is Heide Robson and thank you to Class for sponsoring this episode. How do you design the app landscape for your practice? Where do you start? I asked Chris Hooper of Acadex in Adelaide for his insights. My first question to Chris is, and I struggled to pronounce this, my first question is, what is mimetic isomorphism? Mimetic isomorphy, it's basically like an economic phenomena where all, I guess, participants in a marketplace converge on the market leader and their practices. So if you were to look at, you know, I guess the accounting software landscape as an example, you know, zero basically threatened to be the market leader by use of the cloud. And what happened is that zero forced all of the other software vendors to kind of to move to the cloud with their own comparable products. And, you know, if you were to compare Myob, QuickBooks and Zero, you know, uh, against one another in terms of their cloud products, you would say that these days, fundamentally, they're very much the same, whereas that was not the case, you know, say, eight years ago. And I mean, that in its essence is mimetic isomorphy. So when you look, I guess, at the, the business app landscape, we find it's very helpful to think about this in three separate tiers. So the, the whole premise of this sort of first, second and third tier sort of concept is that, you know, first tier is pretty much the, the applications that are ubiquitous between, you know, almost every business, right? So zero, as an example, is something that is, you know, in every one of our clients' businesses. So that, and you can also determine whether it's first tier, second tier, or third tier based on the actual size of the company, because the, the further down these tiers you get, the more, I guess, niche these applications become. So, uh, you know, an example of second tier is it's like, okay, well, what are they using for online payments? It could be Stripe, it could be PayPal, it could be PIN, it could be all myriad of other sort of like payment providers. And they're all like reasonably sized companies, but they're not necessarily sort of like ubiquitous. And, you know, there's not necessarily an ecosystem sort of that exists around some of these second tier providers. And the third ones are the like, I guess, super niche solutions that serve a specific function in a specific industry. And this it comes back to what I was talking about before on client stack, where it's like, let's take counter as an example. You know, counter is a hospitality sort of like point of sale system that works specifically for table service, you know, applications. You know, that's very niche. It's only a small sort of sample size or population of potential customers and, you know, in our world is a sort of tier app. Hans, 
consolidation versus attrition. What was that about? So I think this was in regards to the profession as a whole in terms of the movement of labor. And this speaks to, I guess, the consolidation of people into sort of the top tier firms, say top 10 or maybe even just the top four, that more and more people will consolidate into them. And, you know, you can see this in the merger and acquisition activity that's been going on for the last decade in the big four is that they're constantly acquiring to kind of like bolt on revenue to those businesses. From the attrition side of things, that means that, you know, just as much people are kind of walking out the back door and setting up their own shops. So we going into this kind of cottage industry phase. And so there you have this push up and push down. Yes, yes. Uh, another term for this, and it's not widely cited on Google, but is the barbell economy, where you have this consolidation around the, the megacorp end of the spectrum. And then you've got this, I guess, uh, attrition through the kind of cottage industry or cult, like sole practitioner slash freelancer kind of world. Custom ERP, is that the next big ticket item when it comes to your workflow in your practice? Yeah, that's definitely like the next big thing for us to actually to do, which will be quite a huge undertaking. But, you know, in terms of like, you know, apps and that sort of stuff, we have been done for several years now, I would say, you know, and there's a few sort of like cutesy things that we'll kind of like plug in, but they're all in kind of like third tier sort of realms where they're not our biggest software suppliers by any measure. What are the most common mistakes you see that accounting practices make around app integration? There's a few common mistakes I see. I think the first one is kind of going into it blind um, and, you know, just with blind faith that this is going to be some sort of panacea that's going to, you know, fix everything in their firm. I think another challenge I see is not getting buy-in across the entire organization. A lot of people see technology as very threatening to their jobs. And I think by virtue of that, we'll then try and sabotage like implementation activities. And I guess the other one I see is just not engaging, you know, experts or consultants to actually assist with this process. What are the top criteria or things to consider when looking at apps, when choosing an app? Okay, so there's a few things that we consider. I think the size of the company is a very important consideration that doesn't get talked about very often. It's great to kind of support the sort of, you know, the five-person shops. But, uh, you know, you've got to take into account like, well, what are their fundraising prospects? Are they going to be a sustainable business? Because there would be nothing worse than actually, you know, building your entire sort of practice around a specific application and then having that application go out of business and you kind of, you know, being left in the lurch. So I think that's an important consideration. Has that happened to you that you integrated an app into your workflow and then suddenly there was a hole and the app was gone? It hasn't happened to us specifically, but I've seen it happen enough for that to be a consideration for us to make sure that it didn't happen to us. Because I mean, these things happen very suddenly and then suddenly like, you know, you can't log into the software and you can't access your data and, and all of that sort of thing. So I think it is an important consideration and one that doesn't get talked about very often. 
And I think, you know, coming to the company size thing is that it's like, even if the application isn't fit for purpose at the moment, if they're well capitalized and they have a well team, then chances are you can get on it early and it will become fit for purpose. So I think understanding what the development sort of like, you know, uh, roadmap looks like is going to be an important consideration as well. And I think there, obviously, cost is a consideration in terms of like making sure that you're not sort of stuck on something that's going to get too expensive. And then I guess the integration with uh, with other applications in your stack as well. So the first one is size. Second one is cost. Third one is integration with the rest of your tech stack. Yep. And this obviously assumes that the application is fit for purpose in the first place. But I think most yes. people can figure out whether it's fit for purpose. Yes. Okay. So that we make that the fourth criteria. Yes, fit for that's purpose. an assume. Yeah. Bookkeepers and accountants are standing in front of a huge mountain when it comes to choosing the right app, making it work, integrating it. Is there some piece of advice you can share? Nothing other than, I guess, making this a priority in your practice and spending the time actually like learning and, and reskilling. I think it's it's important. It's part of like continuing professional development. And it's certainly not something that can be avoided. It's certainly like you don't necessarily have to do this as a service. There's plenty of app integrators who will actually kind of step in and do this and just kind of leave you to do the books or do the tax. But I think everyone has to just be aware of what's going on. And look, I think you can look to the just the sheer activity across the accounting profession. And I think it's safe to say that most people are kind of, I guess, aware and across what's actually going on in the profession. At the moment, technology and apps feel kind of optional. Yes, you can try it or you don't, but if you don't, then business as usual. Correct. But I think looking at it a little bit longer term, I can imagine it's a matter of life and death professionally. Look, I don't think it's a matter of survivability. I think that's, you know, plays into the sort of like hyperbolic rhetoric in the, I guess, the accounting you know, marketing world. I think that in 10 years time, you can run an accounting practice from paper and desktop computers if you wanted to. It just means that it's like, well, don't expect to make, you know, buckets of money in the process doing that. So I think that the high tech competitors that are cropping up every five minutes can and will run rings around these practices, but that's not necessarily going to mean that you know, these practices are going to shut down and die by any measure. That's a good point. Yes, you can continue what you're doing. You probably will keep your clients. You might just not make the profit margin you might otherwise make. I think that it will erode, you know, margins inch by inch, but I don't think you'll go to losing your clients. I mean, there are just as many business owners that hate all of this technology as well. Um, and somebody has to service them. Welcome back. I thought it was good that Chris didn't buy into the doomsday scenario I put in front of him. And he's right that it is not an all or nothing game whether we adopt technology or not. In the next episode, episode 172, Chris Hooper will talk about being an accounting futurist. 
Until then, thank you for listening and thank you to Class for their support. Bye for now and see you in the next episode.